This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Hi, I'm Dominique Lamb. I'm the CEO of the National Retail Association from Australia. We represent about 28,000 shop fronts across uh, the country. Uh, anything from mum and dad and a pizza shop through to the top end of town, everything in between. So all categories of retail. Um, we are a union for employers, which is a little bit unusual. Um, and we provide services including policy and advocacy, industrial relations and legal services, training, um, as well as events and marketing. Um, so the full spectrum of membership um, for our members and our retailers. The thing I love about retail, and I have been in retail, I think I call myself a child of retail. I grew up in the back of shops with my mum, who used to run a number of stores. And the thing I love most is how it adapts and evolves quickly. Um, it innovates, it changes, um, and really is the backbone of most economies. So we have this incredible workforce that um, you know, establish ideas and um, create experiences every day. And it's just a really diverse, beautiful industry. Good morning, Paul Greenberg. I, I wear three hats, so it'll be a long introduction. Uh, the founder of the Nora Network in Australia, which is the National Online Retailers Association of Australia, on the board of the National Retail Association of Australia, and now recently appointed as the vice chair of FIRA, the Federation of International Retail Associations. So I guess I'm an association guy. What I love about retail, man, what an industry. I've been in it for, would you believe, 40 years. Uh, what an iterating, ever-changing industry. And at the core of it, um, I love the arts. I love music. I think retail is a deeply creative industry. Obviously, there's a strong element of science. We're surrounded by technology and science. But at the core of it, it's a very creative game. So the combination of heart and head, science and art, uh, is really key. And the most wonderful people. I've worked in different uh, sectors and different parts of the industry. Amazing people. Hi, this is Mark Rako. Recently, Mouth Media was on location in the podcast booth at NRF Big Show in New York. Rob Sanchez and I had a chance to catch up with Paul Greenberg about his new role as vice chair of the Federation of International Retail Associations and Dominique Lamb, the CEO of Australia's National Retail Association. It was a great chance for a remarkable discussion about the Australian bushfires and how Australian retailers have responded and the implications of such a significant disaster on that nation's retail overall. As well, a look at the Australian delegation to the NRF Big Show and the state of retail in Australia. From New York City, you're listening to Retail Is Your Business, Covering the intersection of innovation and business in the retail industry. Recorded on location. Paul, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here on location in the podcast booth at NRF Big Show in New York. Uh, welcome. Oh, thank you. It's amazing. Um, this is my first year, so right. uh, I'm feeling uh, very overwhelmed, but amazing. <laughs> we'll allow us to center you a little bit. <laughs> Paul? Lovely, Mark. Thanks so much for having me, Mark and Rob. And Dominic, lovely to be with you. Uh, we industry colleagues, we, we work together uh, and so thrilled that you're here. And of course, I'm so happy to be back. Yeah, great to see you, Paul. First Copenhagen, then New York, then Sydney, now back in New York. So Isn't who knows where I'll see you next? Like that? That's right. New York, Copenhagen, <laughs> London, 
Yeah. Maybe in Paris in September. Who knows? Exactly. Hey, Paris let's, in September. let's do it. Let's, let's, let's figure out a way to do it. Uh, I'm Mark Rako, and I'm here with Rob Sanchez. Hey, y'all. So uh, great great to have everyone here. Uh, maybe we could start out this way and, uh, and focus first on, on you, Dominique, and then turn to you, Paul, in terms of the things that you're doing. What's happening in retail right now in Australia that you're coming to New York with a message on? And then on the other side of that, what are you hoping that you will learn here mm. and the relationships that you'll have here that you'll be able to take back to Australia? Yeah, look, I think that um, our Australian retailers are going through a bit of a tough time at the moment, um, particularly in the sense that um, for retail, I mean, in terms of our economy, things are a bit flat at the moment. Um, we're certainly seeing a rise in what we would call consumer activism and, and certainly this value-driven retail. Um, and that's having quite a flow-on effect for our Australian retailers. So when we talk to them about what their top issues are, certainly, you know, the usual suspects are there around, you know, cost of labour and, you know, skill sets in in retail but the big thing is definitely sustainability and crime funnily enough um and so for us, I guess the message um, as an association that represents so many Australian retailers is that um, Australian retailers want to heavily invest in the environment and they want to see a sustainable approach moving forward. Um, and we have been lucky enough to be part of and in fact conduct all of the campaigns in Australia surrounding the banning of plastics. That includes, you know, across the country, Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, Western Australia, and now we've actually um, just gone into New Zealand to assist them with banning plastic bags. Um, so we've helped our retailers, you know, convert their thinking and convert the thinking of their consumers around, you know, what they're, they're used to using um, and just simply the benefits of that um, in terms of business. I guess when we think about sustainability, it's very broad and it's not just about, you know, plastics. It's about, you know, being able to use your dormant stock, make sure, you know, things aren't going into landfill, um, make sure that you can track your stock, you know, and where it goes and what it's doing to the environment. Um, but also things like diversity and inclusion, um, you know, how are you building sustainable workforces? Um, you know, how do you keep your um, workforce engaged? And then in turn, your supply chain, how do you invest and innovate and, you know, really make a better community out there? And then in turn, of course, keep your customer base because it reflects their values. So um, for us, I guess the big message is, Sustainability is incredibly important. Obviously, you've heard about the bushfires. Um, yes. So now more than ever, um, you know, we're seeing our retailers get on board in terms of um, the environment. And, and it's something that our consumers are demanding. It's no longer optional. Um, it's something that all of our brands have to, you know, really buy into. It's more than competitiveness. This is a bit of survival, both for mm -hmm. retailers and for consumers, uh, literally. Mm, that's exactly right. I mean, I think that um, if you don't have... Uh, you know, the purpose that you're investing in, if you don't have, you know, what you're doing about that issue and, and a position and you're not communicating it with your consumer and you're not being transparent about it, um, then there is a real risk that you'll be left behind and that you will lose consumers. How are you seeing that focus on sustainability starting to roll into the supply chain side of the industry? Yeah, so massively in supply chain, it's about, I think it always starts internally where, you know, people have these aspirational policies and, you know, they make a decision about what they're going to do. But now in terms of supply chain, they're taking that um, and they're making it, um, you know, almost non-negotiables when they engage with their supply chain. Um, so not only are they saying to each of their suppliers, these are all the things that, you know, we require that you do in order to do business with us because it meets, 
you know, our standards. Um, but they're also looking at how can they invest in communities and how can they make those communities more sustainable in terms of, um, you know, not using child labour, um, making sure that they're investing in the education of women and girls across the world, helping them create their own businesses to create this whole concept of new consumer. Because we know that um, we're going to see a significant increase across the world in people that have budget to consume, which is good for retail. But if our retailers don't invest in those communities to help them create income and things like that um, and to improve their own lot, um, then we won't get that opportunity in terms of consumers. Yeah, that's always struck me as a, an interesting gap maybe in thinking in some people is that you actually need somebody to be able to afford to consume to be able to produce for them to consume. That's right. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, when you do take communities and, you know, you allow that... Um, you know, those different perspectives and those different experiences to come together, that's where you get these amazing ideas and these amazing stories. So one of them that I like to talk about, there's a, a business called the um, Outfit Social um, in Australia, and they actually work with refugee artists to teach them how to commercialise their art. So for one, one instance is they've taken an artist from China, um, they've used her art in fabric, and now she's, you know, doing fashion design and she's selling her own lines. Um, and, and this is kind of, you know, what we're talking about where we take a community that may be disadvantaged, that people may not have paid attention to before, mm. taken their art forms and then taught them how really to, you know, create their own incomes, um, you know, feed their families and, and educate more people and then create, you know, more consumers. It sounds very um, capitalist, doesn't it? But, you know, it, it really is about improving, I think, um, around the world, yeah. people's experience. Uh, on the sustainability aspect of things, and since we happen to touch on the fires, Paul, perhaps you might like to add any additional insights from your chair about what you know how retailers have been responding, uh, any kind of impact on the retail environment in Australia, and, and frankly, how that uh, how that reverberates into other markets that are sourcing from Australia or or or, or um, importing. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Dominique will have some of the stats uh, from her research team, but the truth of it is this has been an un unprecedented fire season. In Australia is a hot climate and we, we've had bushfires, as, well, forever. Yeah. But uh, this has taken everyone by surprise, the size and scale. In fact, I read today, Dominique, that one of the fires I've been watching, because we've got a property just outside Sydney, is called Gospers Mountain. It's been burning for two and a half months. <laughs> they just, you know, met, you know, we've had so much support from the world, from the US, from Canada, technology, people. We cannot stop this fire. Mm. This yeah. fire is unstoppable. Only an act of from above, solid rain. We can control it. We can work on the fringes. But I mean, I think it's a landmass not much smaller than Israel. The size of the fire, so it's yeah. enormous. So I think we've seen, you know, we've lost over two and a half thousand homes, twenty nine people dead. Uh, massive, you know, yeah. so we're I, all I saw, in a state I, of shock. I saw a ma uh, an overlay recently that took yeah. all the cumulative fire uh, yeah. landmass in Australia and yeah. it was basically the size of the continental US. That's mm. right. Uh, if yeah. you put it all together, mm. massive. One yeah. and a half billion uh, animals, according yeah. to statistics, if you sample, you know, this is a significant and highly, you know, and very tragic moment in time, which I think is cause for pause for the world, and I think that's yeah. happening. But in the short term, we need help, and that help has come from a lot of sectors. But I think Dominique Retail mm. has, has stepped up like 
I'm so proud of the whole industry, big and small, and the help's mm. taken different forms. Maybe you could talk a little bit, Mark and Rob, if that's okay, with some of that you've rallied through your association, incredible amount of support. I think the big thing about um, disaster recovery is that um, lots of people want to give initially, right? But when you have a disaster the size of this one, it can take years to rebuild. Um, and in these parts of Australia, you need to understand that most of them are in our regions. And the biggest problem we had was when these fires hit, um, and, and as Paul said, they've been burning for months, but when we had this very large fire event um, that occurred almost in, you know, at the same time across a number of states, A, they didn't really know it was coming. I think there was disbelief that it was as bad as what it was. But because of the evacuations and the road closures, it meant that supplies um, became non-existent in some of these areas. So not only did you have thousands of people trying to evacuate from wherever they could get out of, you know, and unfortunately you would have seen in the news, you know, 4,000 people on a beach and having the Navy come in and take them off the beach because it was the last place to be. Um, when they evacuated them through other country towns, they shopped at these towns and then there was no food left for the town people um, you know, water was compromised, all sorts of things. So getting food into those towns has been really, really difficult. And, and our major food outlets, certainly Woolworths and Coles, have been working with our federal government to ensure that they can get shipments under escort under a lot of cases into these towns to ensure that people still have supplies, you know, that our fire brigade, you know, are well stocked and things like that. Um, however, you know, getting into those areas has been very, very difficult just because of the sheer ferocity of those particular um, fires. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we've had to obviously use um, defence services and things like that in order to get in there. Um, but moving forward, our retailers um, across the country have all committed, in fact, this Thursday um, to provide all of their profits um, from their stores um, to our, our bushfire appeals, whether it be Red Cross or whether it be, you know, New South Wales Fire Brigade or whether it's Victoria um, or if it's Wires, the animals. Mm -hmm. We've also had a number of retailers come out and make quite significant cash donations, um, you know, in the hundreds of thousands to the millions of dollars. Um, and they really um, have stepped up because our, our firefighters have said right now at this initial stage of disaster, we need money um, in order to purchase you know, particular products, things like electrolytes, bandages, um, you know, jelly beans, um, snack foods for our, you know, fire brigades, um, and, and just, you know, those essential items, you know, for families that have been displaced at these times. So, but then on the back of that, again, we have other retailers saying, we've got all this stock, you know, we're happy to give you a thousand pairs of tights, we're happy to give you, um, you know, whatever it is that you need, whether you need taps to rebuild homes, if you need gift vouchers for tradies that are, um, or tradespeople that are doing, um, you know, rebuilding work and things like that. Um, you know, we want to be able to compensate, um, you know, our fire brigade and things like that. So um, we've really seen, I think, the industry come together, whether it be online or offline or, you know, bricks and mortar stores and, and really just start to invest um, in, in helping these communities rebuild. You know, one thing that's never really occurred to me before, and I apologize for so much of this conversation being related to the disaster that's happening, oh, that's but, okay. I, but, I, but I think it is a unique opportunity to discuss mm -hmm. how retail can uh, react and survive and, and perhaps uh, move past in, in any way that you can a disaster or a, a threat. So in, in the wake of such a significant disaster or threat or, or, or you know natural occurrence or what have you that can happen in any environment there must be a difference between larger retailers and your smaller mom and pop mm. retailers in terms of 
their resources to survive such a thing and to rebuild from such a thing, which could change the balance of the retail environment post-disaster, which is perhaps helpful for the larger retailers and hurtful. It's a bit of, um, I guess, just overall changing the balance of things. Yeah, that's right. And I think that is exactly um, the concern for our retailers because, you know, we know that certainly at this time, you know, obviously getting food into certain areas is going to involve the major retailers. And we know that in many of these small towns, they will have what we call an anchor tenant. So they'll have a, you know, a large retailer in town that might provide food or, you know, they they might provide, they might be from the middle of the road, you know, like a Target or a Kmart or something like that. Um, But then you've got all these local businesses, these local small businesses, and it's also about educating consumers to ensure that we are shopping with them because if in a town you lose all of your retail which is the second largest industry in the country or in Australia um, then you're not going to have jobs people won't have incomes at a time where they need incomes where they're trying to rebuild you know they're not going to have something to distract them from just the sheer tragedy of what's happening Um, so it's also about creating this concept of a campaign that says shop locally you know shop with them um, and we've, you know, we've seen a number of influencers really get on that um, bandwagon in Australia and, and start to really promote it. And certainly, it's something that we're working on it as well. Re- it really is a multi-level. I mean, you're talking about, as you were alluding to, the psych- psychological aspects of not having jobs, the the taxation impact, the, the resources to that town without those jobs and without those retail businesses. And then obviously the dynamics of the town itself and then the loss of services to the townspeople, how it might impact tourism Mm -hmm. if there isn't that retail presence and the ability for tourists to enjoy themselves and have the things they need in that town and so forth and so forth. It's many levels. So when you talk about, uh, Dominique, uh, trying to promote shop locally, this this is crucial. It isn't just, hey, let's support the local re- small retailers, you know, rah, rah, rah. This, this, is, this is survival. That's right. And some of the biggest problems is that in, at this time, people will say to you, hey, we're a large retailer. We're going to send you a 1,000 washing machines. But then it means that the local electrical store doesn't yeah. get the opportunity to sell them. So, you know, he loses business and, you know, they might be sending us washing machines at a time where things are still burning and we don't need them. So then they, you know, go into landfill or something like that. So, you know, it's very, very complex. That's the interesting thing about why cash is so often requested during disaster times because it allows for efficient resource allocation. But also you can just have efficient communication for efficient resource allocation. And it's interesting that there's, um, there's that push away from um, receiving those on-site donations. And it's a really good point about how donations impact the local economy. And um, we've seen like... Um, Toms, when they first started out, was actually damaging mm. local economies with the buy one, Shoes. give one. Yeah. Yep. Free, yeah. That's yeah. Right. But I mean, I think overarchingly, Mark, you raised such a fascinating point that this really is an ecosystem imbalance. We, from the wildlife perspective, we'll, we'll, we'll see, the, unfortunately, the impact in many years to yeah. come. But from an industry perspective, I agree with you. I think there is a, there is a dangerous inflection moment where with these natural disasters, there's an imbalance. And, and, and I think there's a lot of sensitivity by, by government and regulators. They're going to keep a watchful eye mm. on that. I think there is a call out to, you know, for tourists to come back to Australia. And I think we've certainly lost tourism. I mean, tourism is such a friend of retail. Mm. I mean, Hudson Yards, I mean, I walked around there yesterday. I mean, there's people from all over the world. It's a tourist destination now in Manhattan. Yeah. And, of course, it's a great retail precinct for those who haven't been. 
So we're calling for tourism, they're yeah. coming back, and we've had such a great global response, which I guess leads to retail is now a borderless business. Yeah. And the world is flat, and we would love to see the benefits. Well, interestingly, though, with retail being a borderless business, especially from an e-commerce standpoint, how um, how is this changing the dynamics right now in Australia, too, where companies that are focused in e-commerce are, are able to, quote, thrive, unquote, uh, in, as physical retail is impacted or, or uh, strangulated at the moment. Uh, how, how does that change things, if at all? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, if you look at the Australian market, you know, our stats are a little bit different to the U.S. in the sense that... Let's, let's, um, let's go through those. Yeah, so um, I think that right now, online makes up about 9.5% of what we spend annually in Australia, um, which is significantly lower than most of the world. It, it's, it's projected to increase to about 15 to 20% in the next five years. We are absolutely seeing the growth pattern in e-commerce, you know, hands down. If you look at our Christmas statistics, over the Christmas period between, you know, say the middle of November through to Christmas Day, um, the growth um, compared to last year for online was something like 32.6%. It's extraordinary. Whereas bricks and mortar stores were getting roughly 4%. Okay. So, you know, if you're going to invest in in a retail business right now, I mean, that that e-commerce is the way to go. And I guess the reason that... um, that focus is there is because the Australian consumer is absolutely changing. Um, they are now, you know, so used to being out of shop, you know, on their tablets, on their mobile devices, all of those kinds of things that they want that frictionless experience. They want to be out of shop any time of day. Um, and within Australia, we have quite stringent trading hours laws, um, which restrict the times of day that you can actually trade. Um, so it, in some senses, um, our bricks and mortar stores are... Um, you know, they're, they're impacted because they can't trade all the time, um, but they can have online stores, and, and that's certainly where we're seeing them go. Let's uh, pivot a little bit and talk about your Australian compliment that you have here at NRF. Um, it, it, of course, love to hear about it in general and what the hopes are that it can accomplish en masse. Yeah. But one of the questions that keeps running through my head is, as people say, you know, hi, I'm from Australia, the first thing people are going to be thinking about is talking about what we've just been talking about for the last half an hour. Um, Is it important for them to try to move the conversation to what they came here for, or is talking about that uh, part of their mission in, in, in getting the support for retail back in Australia because of what's happening with that? Is that an I hate to use this term, but is that an unfortunate opportunity, a talking point, or is that a distraction? I actually think it's a, a necessary um, interaction because the reality is we need assistance. I mean, our country is burning. There's no way around it. It's still burning. It will be burning for months to come, um, and these communities will be impacted for some time. We need all the help that we can get. So um, since I've been here, I've had a, a wonderful discussion with Good360 um, out of the US who are, you know, very used to working in disaster recovery um, and, in fact, you know, subscribe to this whole concept of, you know, disaster recovery taking a very long period of time and getting the right donations at the right time. And they engage with retailers here and have done for years. Um, they have an Australian um, cohort who we're also speaking to, um, but certainly that US experience has been, you know, incredibly um, helpful um, and a- enabled us to really educate our retailers, which is what we need to do. Um, so I think that coming here, 
um, of course we're going to have the conversation because you never you never know the opportunity that you're going to meet. Um, but in saying that, those conversations often lead to other um, conversations after them, and just that that rapport building and relationship building. And I think that, that ultimately that's what it's about. You know, we're here to obviously show them our experiences. Um, to see yours and then to take that information back to make our retail sector stronger and better. Thanks, Mark. And maybe I could yeah, I agree with Dominique that em- empathy I found very uh, generous and, uh, you know, uh, Americans are so, um, you know, are, are great empathic people and great listeners and, and I've really I felt the warmth from the moment I stepped into the US about 10 days ago. But perhaps if I could just give a bit of a shout out to the Aussie delegation and how yeah. it's made up, the yeah. component parts. Give us that, and then yeah. if, if you could comment as you've talked about the components, yeah. seeing it as, as a kind of overarching theme, if you will, or what, yeah. what's, the, what's the combined message that you're coming in with? It's excellent, and I think it's very topical because at Math Media, you've watched us come over the last some years, and Nora. <laughs> you grow up. Well, exactly. In many ways, I think you've watched me sort of, you know, the, the, the bags under my eyes with the shoes to match, you know, um, yeah. you know. So I think, but I think, so from a, a purely Nora, Paul Greenberg, Fire NRA perspective, I think we're playing a lovely catalyzing role because how it's played out, I think it's fascinating for other countries who would tune into this uh, to this podcast. Um, We've got, you know, the, the big tech guys bringing their groups. So we've got Salesforce, Microsoft, Adobe, Intel, all getting behind. And, and these are, I'm talking about the Australian operations. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Deloitte, uh, you know, and on the consulting side in Retail Oasis, which is a, a retail consulting firm uh, out of Australia. Um, and they all bring a group of retailers. And I think where Dominique and I fit in, we sort of somehow want to be, as association heads, we want to be the catalyzers. And almost show the buffet of opportunity. You are so, the shepherds. Uh, is that a good I term? think so. I mean, yeah. I think that we, we're we really here, certainly as associations, to gather as much information and take it back to the people that, you know, simply couldn't make it, yeah. right? Well, of course. Yeah. The small and medium-sized businesses to the people that, you know, want to know they want to get through the noise when it comes to tech. You know, they want to know, you know what is a good idea and what's not really a good idea. And I, I think that this show um, allows you to really sift through it because, it, you know, it's the best of the best that are here. That's true. So, yeah, but let's not forget exactly. I, I mean, how many people would you have? Done? A couple of hundred maybe. Remember, there are also people who come on their own who don't want to be shepherded, which yeah. is fair enough. I get that. And some of the larger retailers bring their own teams and they want to kind of hang out. But I think we've done well over the last few days to create events and activities and will not create support, those events that get us all together. So who are some of the, uh, the retail um, entities that have been shepherded here? That have made the trip? Yes, who are some that have made the trip? Let me, yeah. let me rephrase that. I'd like to put that differently. So who, who are some of the, the companies or brands that, that you've brought with you uh, that, uh, that you, you think uh, should be especially noted? Yeah, the brands that we know that are here, certainly the Paz Group, Australia Post are here. The thing about Australia Post, I mean, I know that sounds like a postage company, but reality is they've got thousands of franchisees, um, which are, you know, your small businesses um, that have a lot of giftware, right? So um, they have quite an interesting business that they offer these days, and it is really very much diversifying. Um, you know, we've got um, a whole raft of Australian entrepreneurs here as well. Um, there is an incredible business, in fact, that Paul and I um, have been spending a bit of time with recently, um, Sabre de Mason, which is a, um, a leather, like a personalised leather goods um, business out of the Gold Coast. Um, and it, in fact, 
incredible entrepreneurial story, two brothers that have just grown this thing um, to a million, millions of dollars in two years. Um, and they're really here just to, you know, gather experiences. Um, you know, we've got a raft of, um, you know, businesses that support retailers, you know, entrepreneurs in tech that are out here as well. So, I mean, I think um, we've got a really good cohort in the sense that, you know, we've got the, the guys that are new to the game. We've got people that have been around for a really long time. Um, and, you know, anything from kind of fashion through to services, you know, fast food, all sorts of things. It's all happening. So you mentioned earlier, Paul, um, of course, we know you from NORA, from the National Online Retail Association in, uh, in Australia. Uh, but now you're with FIRA, F-I-R-A. What, what, tell us about that organization, yeah. what they're doing. And as we were saying, we prefer the term FIRA under the current ah, circumstances. FIRA. Yes, but it does me. a rosemary the other name, which smells just as sweet. So, yeah, so under the auspices of the National Retail Federation, a very generous supporter of this influential group of association heads from around the world, uh, I'm here today sort of in a new role as the vice chair. Uh, the outgoing chair is Massimo Volpe of, of Retail Italy. And the incoming chair is Jacques Crissel of uh, France. Uh, and the treasurer is Kevin Peng of China. So very uh, a great group, about 60 of us in the, in the room yesterday with our annual general meeting. We'll have our mid-year meeting in Paris. We'll, hope we'll, we'll have you there, Mark and Rob. Um, and this group, I think, you know, it's uh, some years old, but I think it's all in front of us. The whole opportunity to get together this group of association heads from around the world, share common interests, you know, dig through common challenges and really create a borderless retail opportunity uh, for everyone. I mean, the foundations of NOR in 2013, as you know, were built on three very simple pillars that, you know, new retail, which we, with all due respect, used before Alibaba did, would be made up of three things, a customer-centric retail, it sounds a little bit glib now, technology-led retail, hello, well, that's prophetic, but most importantly, a global borderless retail would be the friend. Now, in 2013, not everyone saw borderless retail as a friend. We felt we were being invaded in Australia. And, of course, our message at Nora was do some invading yourself, and I think that's proved to be prophetic. I mean, the retailer that Dom's just mentioned, I mean, it's a global business. They're out of this beautiful Gold Coast, which is the Miami of Australia, and they're running fabulous business, but selling to every country in the world. So I'm passionate about a borderless retail. This role, I think, for the first time in my career, give me that opportunity, create a borderless opportunity for everyone. Whether you're Amazon in the U.S., which has found a very profitable path to a global market, or a small retailer out of Chile that wants to sell their wares to a global a global market, let's do it. So you know, let's 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 make let's reduce friction with cross-borderless retail, and I hope. If, uh, FIRA will be a nice catalyst to create that. That's and look, having attended the FIRA meeting yesterday um, with the Australian cohort, I mean, I think the thing is that, funnily enough, across the world, we all seem to have the same problems within retail. And, and this group really enables, I guess, the world's retail heads to say, you know, these are all the issues we're having. You know, let's look at, you know, let's look at conducting research as to, you know, how we solve them for everyone mm -hmm. um, and really kind of coming together with different perspectives to, you know, get the best outcome. And, and look, some of those yeah. discussions yesterday around, you know, just growing skills in retail um, around youth um, have been really beneficial, I mean, certainly from my perspective. Do you have some sense, uh, particularly on the online retail aspect, you know, Australia... Uh, not coming into that as early as, say, the U.S. has, has an interesting opportunity because whoever starts a path has to figure out that path 
make their mistakes and doesn't get the benefit of the people before that. You come in later in that path, maybe you miss some of the opportunity, but you get to start at a place based on all the knowledge other people have accumulated and that may send you in another direction. Do you have some insights as to how Australia, starting at the point that it has, has been able to benefit from the work that's happened before and that's created new ideas in retail that might be uniquely generated because of that starting point? Yeah, look, I mean, I think that um, you're absolutely right, that we, we kind of have the benefit of being able to see other people's mistakes. And, um, you know, and I think that we really saw that when Amazon entered Australia, um, there was a lot of fear, you know, that happened when that occurred. You know, I think that a lot of our onlineers thought, you know, the whole world was going to end. Um, but however, I think... Um, you know, having watched what had happened in very similar economies across the world gave them some comfort. Um, and also just, you know, their, their dealings with that particular marketplace um, meant that a lot of our other marketplaces, you know, Australian-owned marketplaces, um, did very, very well out of, um, I think, established goodwill within our market. And they kept market share, which was um, quite unusual. And in fact, we saw one of them this year being purchased by a very, very large um, business West Farmers um, and you know you know obviously the owners you know did very well out of that but also I mean those guys grew that business you know out of out of simply watching what was happening elsewhere in the world with marketplaces and they were able to establish something in Australia um, under the catch brand and, and do very well we, we love to conclude these interviews looking at more of the human side of, of the two of you now this is not your first time in new york is it this is my first time All in right. new york yes so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna approach this at least uh, from mine and then rob you can ask whatever you'd like i i'd love to ask both of you now uh you paul when you come back to new york every time what's something or somewhere that you like to make sure is a touchstone for you? It may be a restaurant you love here or a place you like to go or a thing you like to do. And then for you, Dominique, coming to New York, I know you're very busy here with NRF, but what's something here in New York that you've been most hoping to or you've already made sure, mm-hmm. I got to go see that or I got to go do that or I have to go taste that? So let's start with you, Paul. Thanks, Mark. Well, first of all, I'm so re-energized by coming here. What a great way to start the year every year. It's a a shot in the arm. I feel fabulous. That's an easy answer. I'm a homing pigeon. Every year, (laughs) the night before I leave, you'll find me at Terra Blues on Bleecker Street. Ah. Authentic Delta Blues in a beautiful, warm, comfortable environment. In fact, I'll be a bit cheeky. A lot of people want to connect with me and Dominique because we associate. I always say come to Terra Blues. Of course, there's no talking shop because you're immersed yeah. in the music. Oh, that's okay. So there's just the vibes. There's no, you know, it's not the place to go to network with the music fabulous. Terra Blues, Bleecker Street, I'll see you there. By the way, that's, that speaks to uh, a growing trend, which is uh, the idea of developing fans instead of followers as a business or as a brand or as a, as a thought leader by being authentic with what's important to you. And what you're really doing is inviting people into something that's, that, that's authentic if you will, to you and, and a part of who you are and, and you're going to make connections through that process that, that are lasting, meaningful connections. So it's, 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 it's both the way you, the way you, you, you know, it's how you go, uh, who you are, but it's also pretty darn good strategies. That's nice. Uh, Dominique, okay, other than Terra Blues, uh, what, what is something coming to New York you say, all right, this is my big opportunity, I get to go do X, 
Yes. Well, I mean, I think the thing for me about New York is I, I love food. Um, so I came here with a list of places to eat. So, I, you know, I've done Katz's Deli um, already and that was yeah. kind of the first place that I was headed. Um, loved it. Had a wonderful time. Service was excellent. Um, but for me, I also love museums and curation um, and, you know, the big... Um, and I, I have a one-year-old who's traveling, traveling with me as well. So mm-hmm. the big... Um, I guess um, the highlight so far has actually been the Children's Museum of Manhattan. Oh my. Um, it was incredible um, and so well curated for, you know, people from the ages of, you know, obviously adults, but also through to, you know, under one. Um, and she had an amazing day yesterday. You know, I think we even Great. got her a, a photo being the president of the United States. So oh, it was, yeah. um, it was excellent. Um, but also just... Probably um, do a better job. The thing about New York, though, is I've been so blown away by how inclusive and diverse um, everybody is and just how friendly. People are so friendly and helpful. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. That's true. That's great. Uh, glad to, how long are you here for? Ten days. I'm here till the 19th. Great. Then um, check out camp. Oh, yes. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've already marked it. I yeah. was walking past this morning. I can see it from the street. I've been checking out all the videos. And I actually saw um, the founder speak last night on a podcast. So okay. Good. Perfect. Kaufman. Fabulous. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. All right, and, and how can people connect with both of you and your organizations, Dominique? Yeah, definitely. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, certainly under Dominique Lamb. I think I'm the only one on there. So, you know, just link me. I'll, I'll connect with you. Um, but also you can email me at d.lamb at nra.net.au. Awesome. And Paul? Well, I'm, although I'm not executive, I'm still using paul at nora.org.au till I figure out another strategy. Also up on LinkedIn. All right. Well, Dominic Lamb, Paul Greenberg, uh, such a pleasure to meet you and to see you again. And best hopes that NRF is everything and more that you hope to would, and that you'll bring back some support and some insights that can really benefit the Australian people and retail market. So uh, until I see you again, uh, thanks again, and happy travels. Thank you, Mark. See you in July in thank Australia. Thank you. Right. I hope so. Thank you. All right. So for uh, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. We're on location at NRF Big Show in New York. For Rob Sanchez. Good night, y'all. I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. This has been Retail Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Connect.